it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage. UFC 173 is in the books. I am your host, Kevin. Of course, with me, the man that was briefly interrupted, Raph Sparza. Raph, how are you doing this evening? Pretty angry. Pretty angry about what? Because I, you've got to tell me what happened. Because I was grilling you about what you thought the score was of Dillashaw, mm-hmm. and somehow you missed a little part of it. You want to talk about? Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, for those of you who have parents uh, who you love, I love my dad more than anything. He's a great father. Uh, you may relate to the fact that when you get a call past nine p.m. on a weekend or even a weekday. You just assume the worst. You assume, uh, oh, shit, have we lost an aunt? Have we lost an uncle? Is something wrong in the family? Is there an emergency? Do I need to know something? My dad calls me yesterday at 9.04. 9.04 is when stuff is happening in the UFC, mainly that of TJ Dillashaw versus Ryan Barrow. And I get a note from him. And I'm wondering, like, oh, my God, you want to miss. No, 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 no. I mean, it's the main event, too. Let's be real. So, you know, putting that out there, not happy it's the main event. But I take the call because it's my dad. It's 9 p.m. I I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, dad, uh, what's going on? Is everything okay? Son, my computer won't work. And I just, you know, I've tried to do this and it's it's just not working, you know. So what do I need? What disc do I need to put? I was like, dad, I can't do this right now. And then it doesn't matter what you say to him. At this point, everything, since you're on the phone, is on the table. So he's just like, oh, Stan, um, did you see that one article I sent you? I think I sent it to you on Wednesday. And I'm like, holy fuck, I'm trying to watch this amazing round, and I can't even process it. So I'm watching it, but I really can't enjoy this amazing, amazing fight. The very first five minutes it's happening. Because my dad is too busy talking. By the end of it, Kevin recaps it. And this is how you know the salt is in the wound. And even though Kevin doesn't know what the hell is happening, Kevin goes, Raph, was that not the best first round you've ever seen? And I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> Kevin. I'm, and I literally, and this is how bad it got. I told my dad, I'm like, dad, I can't do this right now. I'm going to call you after the fights. And he's like, oh, it's a fight night. Fight, and just say that. All right, bye. Well, Raph, I think I speak for all MMA fans around the world when I say, what was your father's specific computer problem? Tell us all before that way we can sleep tonight. Did you get it solved? I don't want to talk about Okay, I didn't think, yeah, I thought that was going to get met with stunning indifference. No, it was a such a fantastic round, and I was grilling you, and you were like, I don't have a score. I was talking to my father. What? It's just like, hey. Nothing. Just one of the greatest upsets in the making of a fighter that couldn't be destroyed is going on right now. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the ultimate fighter. We're going to talk about a lot tonight on the podcast. Are you excited? Yep. I am excited. So why don't we do this? Why don't we get straight to the one minute review? Yeah, Josh Clark is here. Okay. Josh Clark is on the podcast to talk about the one minute review. All right. Thanks, Dad. And later. Uh, you're going to bring Brandon McCatherine on just so I can gloat and beat the shit out of him, right? That's how it's going to happen. We will talk about the results of Over Under Kevin. Don't say that. This is the reason why he doesn't like our voices whenever you sing. Well, that's one of the reasons, yeah. (laughs) And it just doesn't sound good, probably. No, no, it doesn't. We haven't auto-corrected it yet. To the one-minute review! 
Verbal Tap fans, we have, of course, it's really our version of checks and balances because mm-hmm. we can't let Raf run too far and too wide without having a really big person trained in boxing and violent beating there to keep them in check. On the podcast tonight, we have the hillbilly heartthrob himself from Tough 19. Don't let the accent fool you. He can hit really hard. Josh Clark on the podcast tonight. Josh, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, guys. What about you? Doing great. Do you ever find people think maybe you're nicer than you are just because of the Kentucky accent? Uh, I think so. I get a lot of, uh, you know, man, I can't believe you fight and stuff like that. Just, you know, because I am a quiet guy. And they, they just can't believe that, you know, I'm willing to get in there and, uh, you know, throw the hands and, and let everything go. So, yeah, I do get it quite a bit. It, does it help Before. when you say please and thank you as you're punching somebody in the face? <laughs> he does. I do think that. so. You know, I. I <laughs> makes it uh makes me not feel so guilty about it (laughs) (laughs) it's that southern that southern hospitality of yours um so josh here's the thing there may or may not be an impression of you in the next few seconds during this one minute review let's just remember that um i also lived in kentucky for a while right (laughs) so what does that mean that he shouldn't hit you if he yeah, feels Yeah, of course not, because I don't I'm think a... that's what it means. Kevin, are you a Kentucky colonel? No, I'm not. I am. That's all I'm saying. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing also, Josh. You, in your, I guess, your spare time, I thought they were talking in hyperbole. You are an <laughs> Ivy Depot. You disable landmines. I don't, yeah, I, I was. So, you know, before I came on the show, um, you know, I was working for the federal government, and then, um, yeah, I'd just lay landmines, land work on 105 rounds. It was basically just uh, for the Army, basically, and I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's really all I could say. You know, it, it wasn't nothing sure. it, well, as bad as it sounds, but, I mean, here's it, it what I'm saying. Cool. It doesn't sound as bad as it sounds. It sounds, it nuts, sounds as but... exactly as bad as it sounds. <laughs> I was going to say, he obviously, if he deals with landmines, has the patience to maybe endure the one-minute review more so than other fighters. Mm, potentially. Right. Yeah, that's right. I love that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Raph, are you ready for the one-minute review? I am completely ready for it. Let's do it. Josh, are you ready to hear this business? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. This is the one-minute review of The Ultimate Fighter. Previously on The Ultimate Fighter, a black guy who vaguely looks like Kanye West named Corey Anderson made it into the house and became the number one pick. Team Penn started the competition with two straight wins until Team... Tim Williams ruined Christmas and gassed out. Now, Corey Anderson takes on the hillbilly heartthrob Josh Clark, who didn't tell his wife he was auditioning to get on the show. The Ultimate Fighter. Josh Clark thinks this is a very bad fight for Corey Anderson. You know, uh, he's a wrestler. And I think Corey thinks you can stand with me. Uh, That's just not going to happen. Later, BJ says he hates to use Tim's loss to make a point, but does so anyway. This is a good chance to look at the training and start to relax more, bros. 
Too much training. Relax, bros. BJ then uses the metaphor of a recipe to help the fighters understand what he's saying. You know, everyone's recipe is going to be like a little different. For example, I have this bomb recipe for brownies. Some people say two cups of sugar for every brownie, but I'm like, nah, bro, you got to make it three. BJ then makes an impassioned speech to stop all of this extra training practice back at the house. So let's take tonight off, then nap for 20 minutes in the morning, then skip tomorrow night and come back strong for Monday. Then the Irish blokes carve pumpkins as members of Team Penn get to fulfill every one of their slutty French maid and nurse urges by putting on French maid and nurse costumes themselves. Yep, you heard that right. Mike King then relieves a little bit about to himself when he tells us that dressing up like a woman is kind of his signature. Oh, and that Halloween is the one time a year he doesn't get judged for doing so. Hmm, Mike King? More like Mike Queen. Boom, roasted. A few minutes later, Mike is the most excited fighter this side of Fallon Fox to find out that his nurse's costume comes complete with a man thong. And Anton is really uncomfortable with grown men dressing up like women. When they get home, even Team Edgar has to admit, hey, that's a nice pumpkin. Matt Van Buren wastes no time to rain on everyone's parade as he sees Team Penn has nothing but skipped practice and eaten candy. Oh, snap. Guess who showed up at the front door? It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Edgars. And Kev, ask me which Ninja Turtle Frankie dressed up as. Which Ninja Turtle? Did Only the most motherfucking about? badass of all the turtles, Raphael. Just saying. Okay. But hey, just because Team Blue took three days off doesn't mean Team Edgar can't find a way to waste their time as well. As they proceed to get lost during a hike that literally goes nowhere. And Diego doesn't understand what the hell is going on. It was supposed to be a day off, but like, you know, we climbed a mountain, yo. And like, we were like supposed to relax and stuff. But it was like, oops, man, hiking is crazy, yo. Meanwhile, back at Team Penn, Josh Clark has a plan for... Corey yeah mostly uh I'm just gonna hit him real hard and you know just like knock him out I guess if that's what you want me to do Josh then tells us he became an MMA fighter by winning the lotto seriously he won a free membership to a premier MMA gym that only cost him a few thousand beatings Josh also mentions how he ultimately chose MMA over boxing BJ sees some holes in Josh's game and says that some of it is mental I see others getting the better of him and I'm like nah bro you can do better and Coleman has some great advice for Clark after he got caught with a triangle in training well don't fucking get caught in that position great advice Coleman Josh says he wants he gets some great wrestling into his game. He'll be a hell of a fighter. Hashtag foreshadowing back from commercial. Uh-oh, did someone talk shit about wrestling? Don't they know that's the first rule of Fight Club? Don't talk shit about wrestling? Roger Zapata can't help himself and boils wrestling down to the following simple method of single to double, single to double. And that's it. Corey Anderson takes such offense to the accusation, his voice goes up another octave and renders him unable to make words. You know, man, how many national qualifiers? I don't smoke. I'm not two-time. I don't need wrestling and could even be all. You know, you looking at me like I'm crazy. And Zapata says he knows wrestling is simple because of all the D1 wrestlers he knows are weak. So there you have it. Science. Not that Corey makes a better argument. Corey tells us, though, he doesn't want to just be another cast member. He wants to win the whole thing. At the weigh-ins, Corey talks about how he likes and respects Josh. People are like, you know, Josh is like, I don't, you know, I like him because, you know, even if I really did, he's crazy. He's in there, people. And I'm like, you know, come back, you know. But Corey is so confident he's going to win, he can't even sleep. Talk tells him to get some sleep, and this is his response verbatim. Man, I'm going to practice, but don't worry about me. As long as you get some sleep, as long as I'm going to figure out something. You know what I mean? I guess. 
Round one, Dana's back. All right, gentlemen, two rounds. Fucking blah, blah, blah. Fuck you guys. Drink Nas. Josh comes out swinging. <laughs> but Corey finds his timing, and guess what? Uses wrestling to take down Josh. Eat that, Zapata. On the sidelines, Frankie Edgar is yelling out twister instructions. Right on blue. Left hand green. Corey gets Josh to half guard and proceeds <laughs> to make this into a wrestling match. BJ decides it's no longer time to chillax, bros, as he's in full yell coaching mode. Feet on the hips. Get your knee in. No more relaxing, bro. In the corner, BJ assures Josh he did all of the damage while Coleman informs him he needs to win this round. So which is it, guys? Round two, Josh comes out kicking, but Corey comes out wrestling, and Dana isn't happy with Josh. This guy has fucking zero takedown defense. Everybody knows you can get a fucking armbar from there. Noted jiu-jitsu black belt Dana White, everybody. And we're back in Josh's guard for about a minute and a half. The ref stands him up, and the bald father is happy. Fucking good job, ref. And that's pretty much the fight. Corey gets the hooks in, but can't finish the hillbilly heartthrob. And the coaches have differing opinions on what happened. BJ, uh, I think that Josh did a good job in the first round. Frankie, yeah, not so much. Dana then announces the winner. And the winner of this fucking fight is wrestling. So fuck you, Zapata. And Corey's not pleased with his performance. Yeah, I think I did pretty good, but I could have done better. You know, I'm just here to win the whole thing. I got to do what I got to do to win the ultimate fighter. And Frankie announces the next fight. Ian, let's climb this fucking mountain. Stevens versus Roger. I hate wrestling Zapata. Zapata does some facial tics to try and scare Stevens, and it looks more like he's got some sort of mild Tourette syndrome. Next time on The Ultimate Fighter, Matt Hughes shows up because he has nothing better to do. And Ian Stevens takes on Roger Zapata. And then the most surprising something that's ever happened on The Ultimate Fighter happens, prompting Dana to be the voice of reason. Okay, everyone, fight day's canceled everyone go back to your fucking locker rooms next time on the ultimate fighter raph as far as um josh does that sound about right does that sound exactly that how you awesome. saw it <laughs> that was awesome yes yeah i believe i believe that's how it went just watch that <laughs> <laughs> did we miss any big parts raph's pretty thorough no i even like the uh you, you got it uh bj's metaphor and about too much salt yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, Raph, <laughs> I was just quick, like, yes. Raph, quick production note. That was one minute, 12 seconds. I, Kevin, you need to get a better watch. I am. I, I know. Positive. I know. You find that it offensive when it's not one minute. Flat. Okay. I mean, I hate to disagree with you. I'm just saying I'm the official timekeeper. Oh, well, it was late. Official wrong timekeeper, whatever. Anyway, Josh, <laughs> let's let's ask you about this. When BJ is giving you a metaphor about salt in a recipe, what's going through your head? Uh, man, maybe he's had one or two one too many brownies. I'm not real for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I wasn't That's... sure where he's going with it, so. <laughs> that's kind of what it looked like you were thinking just so you know you've been good about being transparent since you entered the house uh but you kind of look like you're just like are we still talking about fighting is this a metaphor <laughs> i'm confused right and i mean but i love bj you know he, he was an awesome dude and you know he was so laid back as you can see and i mean no you know in, in, when the cameras were off of him <laughs> even when the cameras weren't on him man he was just he was always the same person just cool and relaxed and you know, treated everybody everybody the same. So he was, he was definitely a good dude, good coach. What was the best thing that you pulled in your time away with uh, BJ on the show? What's that? That was the best. What? Like, what was the best? What was the most memorable, uh, either coaching oh, uh, advice or moment that you had with BJ? Probably moment. It would be um, when we were at the Harley shop. You know, whenever all the guys were, you know, picking out what motorcycles they wanted. 
uh, we kind of dressed BJ up there. I'm sure y'all may see it on the show, hopefully. But, uh, you know, man, I just got so tickled. We put this helmet on him, this big leather jacket, these big chaps. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we begged him to get on the motorcycle. He finally got on it. I, I know they're going to show it, but it, it was pretty – was pretty hilarious and he, he couldn't do nothing but laugh i bet he laughed for 30 minutes straight so <laughs> i you know he had me t- i was crying because he was laughing so hard <laughs> it was definitely probably the highlight of being on the show for me <laughs> so. <laughs> that'll work a little uh dressing up scene now tell us what happened because i want to go back to the first episode of the show um, where we find out you didn't really tell anyone you were going. You just kind of went to the Ultimate Fighter. Can you talk us through what happened there? Yeah, I don't really know. Like, I did tell everybody I was going. What I think maybe y'all got it misunderstood. I didn't tell my wife that I was going to lose my job. So because uh, before I left uh, to go on, before I left to go on the show, you know, I asked them. I was like, look, this is this is the deal. I need to be off for six weeks. Can I leave without pay? They basically told me, no, you leave, you're getting fired. So I never did tell her that, you know, they told me I was going to get fired. Because, I mean, she was going to tell me to go anyways. I just didn't want to put that extra added stress on her. <laughs> but, you know, the cool thing is, I mean, that's, what, that's the good thing about working for the federal government. You can't get fired. Like, I came back, I still had a job. So <laughs> <laughs> six weeks, awesome. they had me down as AWOL. You know, because I'm working for basic for a military company, you know, the Army Depot. So they have me down I mean, as AWOL. And still you had, had to spend time with uh, Dana White, so that is kind of like going AWOL. Yeah, <laughs> like prison. That would also... that's, that's what we were in, prison. <laughs> that would be such a cool thing to put on your bio. Once declared AWOL by the federal government. <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck, this guy's crazy. <laughs> I mean, Josh, the thing that was the most surprising to us is you definitely – brought up that fact about like yeah i didn't tell my wife about this so what was the wife's reaction to that um well she didn't really have her like i told her when i got back i was like babe i think i might not have a job when i go back in tuesday and she was just like well let's move (laughs) you know and that was her reaction and i went in and i checked out you know Checked it out at work. Of course, they was like, "Yeah, you got a job," and we end up moving anyway. So you know, we're in Vegas. But yeah, her her reaction, or, you know, her next reaction was basically, "Well, let's move." You know, there's our chance. There's our excuse to get out of here. So that's a great wife. Uh, a. Oh man, and, she's so supportive. And B, I still would love to have on tape her reaction to you saying that on TV. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of flinching. It's like, yeah. Josh, tell us what happened. Did she punch you? Was she like, no, why would she you didn't. Say that? <laughs> Cough twice well, if she's looking at you right now. Yeah, just don't say anything if she's we'll, right there. We'll get you out of it, we promise. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, she's actually pretty cool, you know, because, I mean, it's been so long since the show was, you know, taped and then been filed before it aired that I'd already been back to work and uh, actually I was already moved by the time the show aired. I was actually living in Vegas. So awesome. Because um, so, yeah, the, you know, she was Is this is that now future fighters and even me as a casual viewer of the show, uh, my fiance looks at me and just goes, "Oh snap! You better never do that." I was like, "I'm never fighting, so we're good." Not just disappearing randomly. And uh, announcing that, but I, I think you've set a new precedent for anybody who comes on the show. Maybe don't do that. Right? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so, 
That's the good. That's when you turn on the Kentucky accent. Though I would like this to be noted. This is the first time at 15 minutes into the podcast, Raph and I have ever coached a six foot four, 205 pound mm-hmm. fighter on possible defense mechanisms with their wives or fiancés. That's a first for us. Yeah. So um, I feel like he'll he'll hang out. Josh, tell us what your perception of the fight was. Um, um, forward to this last episode. Just tell us. We get to hear a little bit of what you think, but we don't get to hear the whole breakdown. Yeah, you know, honestly, I thought that if Corey took me down, I, I would be able to submit him, you know, because I'm, I, you know, had all these years of, grappling you know i've been training for eight years but with his wrestling man he had such heavy hips that mm-hmm. um when you know he was on top of him. even when he's in half guard i was having trouble you know just uh shrimping shrimping away and stuff because his hips were so heavy and then you know he stuck to his game plan his game plan was the you know he says he's gonna stand with me i know he wasn't gonna stand with me mm-hmm. you know and he come out what we exchanged a couple punches before he started looking for the takedown and he just basically, you know, just basically, you know, wrestled me. You know how I feel. You know, he didn't really do, he didn't do a lot of damage on the ground, and you know, of course, standing, he didn't. I don't think he landed any strikes, but you know, he stuck to his game plan and he came out with victory, and you know, it was a good win for him. When you're in the moment, and I'm always curious because I've I, I've done some jujitsu tournaments, and I'm familiar with what it feels like to have a wrestler really do that sort of clinch down where they're hard to get it. What's it like in the MMA world? Cause there are the strikes options. There's a little bit, it's just harder submission wise from that game with the gloves on. Talk us through how you're feeling you at the end of round one. Do you think you really have to do something in round two or did you think it was still even? You know, I didn't realize cause I guess I was so caught up in the fight. I didn't realize how close the first round was, you know, I didn't, I mean, um, you know, the judges, it was so close. I don't remember what the final score was, but I was just remember at the end, I was like, man, that was a close fight. Like, yeah, so, I mean, I knew he took me down, but I knew I landed some strikes, and I was going for submissions, you know? Like, that's the thing is that when he took me down, I was going for things on the ground. So yeah. I wasn't for sure how close it was, but, you know, but I guess he just, I got up to my feet, and he took me down again. So then he scores another point, and I was controlling the fight again. You know, and I think, I said this on the show, and they never did, you know, in the confessions. But, you know, I think, like, as far as like being an ultimate fighter, you know, you only get fought two rounds. I think they need to do it like yeah. tried. So, like, if a fighter's laying on top of you, you need to mm-hmm. say, here's your warning. And then next time, give them a card and they get a point taken away. I make guys You're... have to move more and, and, you know, just be more entertaining and active because a lot of the guys who – when the show are wrestlers, then they get cut from the UFC. Not all the time. I'm not saying Corey's going to get cut. Like Corey's an awesome fighter, I think. You know, he's a, but it happens. We're with you, you know, especially with the pride rules. And here's the thing: like the UFC, at any given time, like one out of every third UFC decisions are going to tend to favor takedowns as like a much more significant move than they are. Especially, I mean, you're talking to two jujitsu fighters that are like, who the fuck cares if you get taken down? <laughs> We exactly. get it, but it's just like, well, okay, what's okay, what's next? Yeah, it's always weird for us to see them reward those decisions just a little bit more. Um, and I'm just always curious because, yeah, you said the adrenaline's pumping, the fight logic starts to become a little bit harder to predict because that's the nature of fighting. I'm just curious in that second round, what was as fellow submission fighters? What was like the craziest submission that flashed through your mind? 
as you were trying to think of like Hail Mary attempts? Uh, the craziest would probably, I don't know if it was the first or second, but what I remember since I would be the calf cutter because I went for the hill yeah. hook and he started to pull out. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, there's the calf cutter, but I was just, I, and I was a split second too late. I was a split second too late on everything I was doing out there just because my timing was off. And I just had been back in May only for a couple months before I ever went on to the show. You know, I had maybe a couple hours back on the mat. All I've done was concentrate on keeping the fight standing, and, you know, and working to take down defense against the cage, That's which awesome. didn't help me, obviously, in that fight. But, you know, so everything was a split second off. And, yeah, the calf cutter was probably the craziest submission. But I mean, every time I – Every time I know myself and Kevin saw you attacking the leg uh, and almost going for what seemed like knee bars at a couple times, I know we jumped up a little bit because we're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, they were, I don't know how close they were, man. I mean, um, you know, a couple times, I, you know, it wasn't late. It was late on in the round, I believe, that I was actually, because he was so, so sitting so heavy that I was actually, Man, you know what? I got to swing my other leg around because he's in half guard sitting on the right leg, so I need to get my left leg up over his head. It was just like, I don't know, man. It was just things were starting to come back to me. As for like, while, we, while yeah. I was fighting on the ground, things were starting to come back. Like, man, this submission's here. You know, like, because they've been so long. That's the thing. Like, that's what people don't understand. I, is, I mean, I forgot so much in the past year and a half. That's just now starting to come back to me ass mount and all that man it's i don't know (laughs) it's an interesting road because you're and this is what i i think is fun about you you are on our sort of traditional this is the type of guy that needs to be in the ultimate fighter house an up-and-comer that seems to get better with each with each fight do you feel like it was a big learning experience and your growth progression you've grown a lot as a fighter because you've you've been doing it since you were 21 um as we aforementioned the uh, lottery gym how much do you feel like you've grown as a fighter just in the past Ultimate Fighter experience? You know, that's a good question because, you know, I'd grown and then I'd peaked out. I'd stopped, you know. And, and this show, even though I lost, it just it, it, it made me grow again. It was like, man, you know, just being around these top guys, you know, some of the top up coming 185, 205s in the world, seeing how they train and, you know, just getting back in that grind. It's like, man, like, if I'm going to do this, like, I've got to get, where you know top level training is so i don't know if it necessarily made me grow i mean i guess you said made me grow but it, it just changed my perspective like in my mind and stuff you know it's like man i've got what it takes i know i do you know it's just i've been been out for so long that coming back you know when I, once i come back home and i was just so disappointed i was like you know what i've got to do something now and my career is over you know, so I needed to just change my environment. You know, I, I guess that was the the biggest thing that shows. Like, you know, I got to change my environment and get Absolutely. around like the best in the world. And and what change have you made to do that? Uh, well, now I'm living, at, you know, living here in Vegas. So I basically, like I said, I had, my, I had a job back home when I came back. I quit my job. I moved. I sold everything I had, um, all my furniture, and I've got a one bedroom apartment. Me and my wife do right here in Vegas, and. I'm training at Seneca MMA full-time. She's working, supporting me. And, you know, I'm just waiting to fight again, man, to prove myself that I do belong, you know. There you go. I have to ask this because I thought this was such an interesting thing that you put on your blog. You were talking a little bit about, I guess, the differences between MMA and being billed as a boxer. For you, 
what was being billed as a boxer uh, in terms of what did that mean to you? And also, like, what were the problems with being billed as a boxer in that way? What do you mean as far as being billed as a boxer? Like, well, in terms of saying, like, the problems that you faced in your boxing career, like, at what point did you start making the transition over to MMA? Oh, I got you. Um, It was probably, well, let's see. I'm trying to think. My last fight against uh, when I fought Charles Martin back in last June. Mm. So June, and I made a show in October. Or September, so June, July, August. So three months. Within three months, after that fight, I came back home, you know, because I beat some of the top guys, the up-and-coming boxers, and, you know, I, was, I felt like I was constantly lied to because they just bring me in to lose, and I'd beat them, and they'd be like, oh, the winner, oh, got a draw, you know, another draw, four mm-hmm. fights, uh, you know, one win, one knockout, one loss, and two draws. And so I just, when I came back home, man, from uh, California, I was just so aggravated, so, you know, mad at myself that – I'm just like, man, I've got to do something. And, and I started rolling, and, you know, I come back to the gym. My coach stayed out in California, and I started rolling while, you know, doing jiu-jitsu uh, since he wasn't there, and I just started missing it. And I started making the transition slowly, man, like within two or three months, you know, last June. So, now, I mean, I guess that's the answer you're looking for. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, that's great, because I know but, that you were talking about uh, a little bit of some of how that was playing a role. And I guess the other thing that you touched on in your blog that I thought that was interesting is you talked about the editing of the second round uh, of yeah, your fight. and I hate show. to always talk about it and why, you know, like I said it in the blog and I'm like, man, that's, that's a total lie. I was like, that's all I want to talk about it because I don't want to sit here and cry and moan about it. But yeah, like, <laughs> sure. so you see in the second round, you see when I come out and I throw the kick early in the, in the round, that don't happen, you know. And then the second, then it, then the second kick that you see that I throw when he checks, it happens in the last minute. So what they done was I threw the kick, the first kick you see, I threw it in like the last minute of the fight. And then we, I circled again, and I didn't set the kick up. I just threw another uh, kick to the leg, you know, immediately following the first kick, and that's why he checked it. That's how he got my back is because I went down, and then he started pounding me, and then I started scrambling. All I could think about was like, this dude's not going to finish me. He's not getting a bonus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they took all, you know, and I just felt, like I said in the blog, you know, they took all that ground and pound footage and just spread it up throughout the fight. But it is what it is, and, and I'm just trying to just put that behind me and just move forward. Sure. And, I mean, okay. for us as avid uh, Ultimate Fighter fans, we always kind of pay attention to the editing. I'm a huge uh, video editing guy. So when I'm watching it, I look and I go, that doesn't look about right. That editing looks a little strange and suspect. So we always want to get the best picture of what happens because the thing is you can show whatever you want on TV, but the two guys in that octagon know more than anybody else what's happening. Exactly. Plus I blogged about it, you know, wrote it down when I got home that night. So I went back to my journal. And I was like, hold up. That didn't happen right there. You know, I could see. <laughs> and I, you know, and you know, that's the last I talked about it, but you can see when I feel the leg kick they check that, it speeds up real fast, and I go down extremely quick. I just like the idea that the <laughs> hillbilly heartthrob was like, "I've got to record my journal. What happened <laughs> tonight? This is I've got to get to it immediately." Exactly. Real quick. <laughs> what are the biggest differences between living in Kentucky versus living in Las Vegas? 
Top oh, three. <laughs> Can't say hookers because obviously everyone else's response when they move to Vegas. Well, since it's been 110 today, the heat. And then <laughs> sure. I feel like I'm on a I'm on a permanent vacation, man. Like <laughs> I just I, I constantly like I walk outside, see palm trees. I'm like, dude, like, am I really living here? You know, so uh, constantly feel like I'm on a permanent vacation, and then. Uh, I guess just training full time now, you know, two two or three times a day, six days a week. So that's uh, awesome. got to be the top three biggest changes How- from Kentucky to here. Any food problems, or it's been okay? No, no food problems, man. I mean, okay. any restaurant sure. you want, it's all top of the line yeah. out here. I try to, I, I just try to eat clean. I, I'm actually thinking about going down to 85, so we'll see. Ooh, got to stay away from the buffets. <laughs> I was about exactly. to say, I was Jack Mace. <laughs> I love that you were like, they have all these healthy options there. And I'm like, dude, nobody <laughs> thinks about healthy options when they go to Vegas and aren't a fighter. <laughs> yeah, Planet Hollywood and that prime rib buffet. Look, the hillbilly heartthrob Josh Clark MMA, at Josh Clark MMA on Twitter. And you have some really cool sponsors. You were saying Sports Food Inc. And what does Sports Food Inc. do? Do they do like uh, the meals thing? Oh uh, no, cool. actually they just uh, they've been supplying me with like electrolytes, so oh, they have these go. like little things that go under your tongue, and so especially like when you're cutting weight and you can't drink water, just put these mm-hmm. under your tongue and they dissolve and put all the electrolytes back in your body. So that's Very awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm writing down that one. <laughs> Are we missing uh, other sponsors that you want to shout out? Yeah, I just picked up a Boost 365 Energy drink, um, the Iron Jaw Mouth Guard, and Zion X. And I think that's that's about it. Zion for X right now, yeah. So there. just making sure. Hope I didn't miss anybody. <laughs> and it's Agile Mouth Guard. Uh, no, Iron Iron Jaw. It's accent, Iron man. Jaw. Perfect. Iron Jaw. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, your accent does make it a little... Hey, look, so I'm out here, right? And everybody, you know, those foreigners that live out here, you know, a lot of Europeans and stuff, so they all either think I'm from Australia or I'm from Bulgaria. (laughs) (laughs) So I I love it. I love it. It, it, It's perfect for me, especially when they think I'm from Australia. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, man. You know, as as an accent aficionado, I... I really want to meet the people who think you're from Australia. It just, <laughs> so I just, well, well I give you, I really they were Brazilians. A lot of oh, them, no. the, <laughs> yeah, the, the people who think I'm from Australia are usually Brazilians. They should watch you know the more thing Civil is, War movies. Kev, if you accent. ever go to Fight Week out in for the UFC, the like half of Brazil ends up in Vegas <laughs> during these fight weeks. I'm always awesome. astounded how many Brazilians were there for Anderson Silva fights. And you're like, oh, man, uh, you know, I remember he's fighting Chris Weidman. I was like, oh, Chris should have home field advantage. Oh, no, he does not. Nope. More Brazilians here than normal. So I, I guess <laughs> it starts to come to make sense now, now that you mentioned that, Josh. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I like it. I can't. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> so, I'll take it. I'll take it. Josh, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, at Josh Clark MMA, follow him, harass him for any Kentucky versus Vegas questions you might have, and we'll continue to uh, – we're looking forward to your commentary as the season goes on. All right, and I appreciate you guys having me, man. Y'all are awesome, so – 
You're the man, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Clark. Alright you guys, so we did Under Over Kevin. Or over under Kevin? Which one is it? I don't remember. I just remember uh signing a good night note to Brandon and putting it on the nightstand and walking out the door. That's all I remember about the what game. What was your goodbye note that you wrote to him? It said I'm gonna beat you at the why did you have to ask me what the fuck it said, Raph? You know I didn't think that far through with the <laughs> metaphor. Uh it said good night, I'm gonna beat you. I don't know what Kevin. it said. The worst improv <laughs> actor. I, I say yes and yell. That's Kevin how I say Yes it. and he says yes what? Wait, what did I do? Okay. Uh, so for those of you who are tired of this introduction, uh, last week we had our good friend Brandon <laughs> McCatherine on the show. So Brandon, you're back here right now, right? You've been hiding on this conversation, yes? Yes, that is correct. Okay. A, oh, how have you been? This. And B... Uh, why do you hate Kevin so much? Uh, first of all, I've been fantastic. I love life and everybody in it. And <laughs> I love you, especially. And and I even love Kev. So that answers follow up B. That's uh, no, I, that's, I love Kev. That's not. I love the way he says life. No, that's amazing. But I'm I, the only I, person I, you've I, ever had on the show that can put extra syllables into the word life. You say it like Harry Connick Jr. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, but Brandon, the thing is, I, I have to stop you here because you, even in text message form, don't stop making fun of Kevin to me. He's and pretty lippy on Twitter, too. If, that's uh, my job. I, my job, officially on this podcast, not to co-host, to make fun of Kevin. And even I look at the text and go, man, he is he is relentless. But I like it. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you give Kevin shit, so you, you obviously feel a certain way. I have a, a very important thing to, to – before we go into the results of Over Under, Kevin, um, guys, there was one of our viewers, and I'll, I'll find the exact tweet that he sent to us. But he told me a following story, and I want to get what you guys thought of it. Basically, he was at a party, and his ride was leaving before the main event. Your thoughts? Ooh, fucking crushing. Find a different ride. What do you mean? Yeah, Find a different ride. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deal with it like a man would and watch the fight. Hope it wasn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel so bad because uh, one of our listeners, uh, Troy Little, basically said, my brother slash driver made me leave. Crushing. Missed all the good stuff slash shit. Uh, said... At least you guys were walking me through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then I'm going to live through you guys. Okay, go for it, Kev. Here's what you do, Troy. You find out whatever fucking sport your brother loves. Loves. And then right as the climactic moment of that happens, you pull the cord on the TV and reset the cable box and tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> and you go down the street to a restaurant. That's how you get revenge. That's good. Uh, Brandon, do you, do you have something for this? Uh, I think mine was going to just involve a baseball bat uh, to his legs, but oh it wasn't. It was a little is that part of the Tenth Planet system, or is that just a McCatherine thing? Yeah, that's actually just the, what we call an armbar. <laughs> it's just oh, an aggressive baseball bat strike. It can be confusing. Baseball bat but... to the legs. Yeah. 
We tried to make it extra complicated. I mean, to be fair, sometimes when I see a 10th planet name and I see like the electric chair, I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense because I get it now. But if I ever see baseball or slugger to the to the lake, slugger to the femur, that's a good one. Let's write that down. We should have an episode dedicated just to fake 10th planet names and see if people can tell the difference. (laughs) The camera stand. People are going, what the fuck is that? (laughs) That's a good segment. 10th planet or it ain't. (laughs) You just just say something ridiculous and then Kev has to guess whether or not it's something out of the 10th planet vernacular. I'm 0 for 38 with this UFC game. I can't imagine that's going to go great either. <laughs> the the pencil panda. sharpener. Oh, okay. Um, well, gentlemen, I- I'm so glad that you're cordial with one another because I'm going to make you guys hate each other again. I do have the results in my hand. I'm going to start with you, Kevin. Do you think you won this bout? I think I might have won. But regardless, I feel like I won because I predicted TJ Dillashaw. So if you put $20 on all the bets I made versus the bets Brandon made, you'd be up $584. That's not legally accurate. No, that's not even rem- – I didn't do the math. I'm just ballparking no, it. Just made a figure. Just made okay, a Brandon, figure. in response to all of that, do you feel that you won this, and do you feel that Kevin is talking out of his ass right now? Well, I got a little confused when he started using numbers. Mm. But, yeah, I did think I won until that, but now I'm not – no, I don't know. But I'm yeah, pretty sure I won, I won because I played. So, Oh. <laughs> Crushing. I wish, that was a, I wish that was a way more insulting moment, but it actually just means you participated, and we need to give you a ribbon as participant. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, hey, guys, I, Kev, here's the good news for you. I have such great news for you. Shut up. You always do this. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, you, what, what the fuck, Kevin? I'm not doing anything. I, I know I predicted Jingling was going to win. You did. Cecilia. You, you Jigglypuff to win. Jigglypuff. Uh, Holdsworth. <laughs> Chisse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I picked Klaus. Mizugaki. That one needs to get stop. thrown out. Dillashaw. Klaus needs to get thrown out. Okay. Kev, let's stop right here, okay? Okay. This is the good news for you, and this is truly amazing to your credit. Yeah. You got 50% right. Ah, uh, feels good. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Like, uh, Brandon, for how bad Kevin is at this, especially the last time when he only got like 33%, is this not a huge improvement? Yeah, I'm really proud of him. Especially like for somebody who knows nothing about the sport, I feel like that's really good. Twist it is knife. true. Just it twist is true. The knife. Uh, here's the other news, though. Uh, Brandon also got 50%. Oh. So you're saying it's a tie. No, actually, he, he did get 50%, but plus 8 more percent to that 50. Because Brandon ended up with 58% picks right. That is 7 out of 12. To Kevin, 6 out of 12. Making Brandon McCatherine the winner of this week's Over Under Kevin. Uh, oh my gosh. This one's I just want to thank all the little people. <laughs> put me here. <laughs> uh, I'm amazing and good, Brandon. Let, let's do a post-win conference right here, Brandon. I'm I'm standing here with the winner of this bout, uh, Brandon. Talk me through this. What was the hardest part about winning this match against Kevin? 
Well, the hardest part really was just the promotion leading up to the match. It's really, me and Kev, we're friends. We've been training together a long time. We were just trying to sell the fight, you know. Boo, and, um, boo, friendship. I, nah, well, look, <laughs> and I feel like I could have put him away quicker, but I had some injuries coming in. Um, <laughs> I had a cracked skull. But, you know, it is, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to make excuses. He's a great, he's a great picker. But, um, you know, all propers to Kevin. Clearly not. Brand new, Catherine, everybody. Okay, Kevin, I'm here with the loser, the multiple-time loser, a person with a non-winning oh, record. Fuck yourself. I, I just got to ask you, You can go Kevin, fuck yourself. It he looked like can go you were in himself. trouble early on in this fight, and, and I got to ask you, uh, at what point did you know you were absolutely going to lose this? I was pretty sure at the Ellenberger disaster, when both Ellenberger and Cormier just completely opposited what I was hoping could happen. Though I stand by TJ Dillashaw. Let's all remember who was where when the old Kev Meister predicted the greatest upset <laughs> in UFC history. Well, and that's Kevin. probably not what it was, but you have two options, Kevin. <laughs> you have a 50% chance of getting it right, which you're consistent at. Yeah. You mostly flip a Very coin consistent. and you could pick the same outcome. I also, my I, favorite I, I, pick that I don't think I'm ever going to get enough credit for was choosing Mizugaki. And my logic was because Rivera's tattoos framed his face too well. I just don't feel great about that choice. <laughs> so let's talk about this, Kev. Um, I do want to ask you, you did pick TJ, and that was a huge upset. I don't uh, think it was founded on any kind of real analysis. Talk us through how you picked him, and why was it that you were so excited to pick him? So I love TJ Dillashaw, and I thought there was a chance Burrell would get complacent. He's been a little, just his version is complacent. Thought there was a chance Dillashaw might shine his best night, and as Joe Rogan pointed out, no less than 348 times on the <laughs> on the show, this was the best TJ Dillashaw we've ever seen. I don't think you're using enough throat muscle to communicate that. You he you just cannot have... shut the fuck up yeah. about how capable TJ Dillashaw was, and that this is what he's capable of. Like, <laughs> we get it, Joe. We get it. We hear you, buddy. <laughs> you look great, he's like, black. He's a make-a-wish kid who lived, and Joe was really happy to get through. Yeah, it was like, TJ Dillashaw is not exactly Swiss meat. Like, we knew he was going to be competent, Joe. I know he and Joe know each other, so that's why. I will say this, Kev. This is why this is entertaining to me. It's when the people who put on the fights, who said, like, the whole time going up to the fight, this guy, he's a contender. When they actually get surprised, like, oh, shit, all that stuff we said was He's right. a contender. <laughs> Can you believe it? Yeah, I agree. Um, cool now, match. Brandon, when you were watching uh, Burrell, what? when did you know something was up with him? Um, you kind of figured it out early on. Um, he just he looked slow compared to Dillashaw. I know Dillashaw's footwork had him, had him really off balance the whole fight, and then the pace that Dillashaw kept – was just incredible. Like he was, he was still there at the same pace in the fifth round. I felt like, but yeah, I mean, you knew pretty early on. You know, he hit him with Dillashaw, hit him with a big shot, pretty early, and you know, tried to put him away. And I don't know how much of an effect that had on Burrell throughout the rest of the of the fight, but it, it just never looked like he recovered all the way from that. Initial, I want to put this to beat. both of you guys. I think you're 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 leading kind of where I want to go, which is. 
Uh, one of our, our viewers or our responders on Twitter, Anthony Armour, which, okay, cool Twitter name, uh, he says that he <laughs> thinks Burrell's weight club made him look slow. So what do you guys think about that? Did, did the weight cut have something to do with the way that he was fighting here? Cut, I don't think the weight cut made him look slow. I think T.J. Dillashaw made him look slow. <laughs> I, I'd agree. It looked like two fighters fighting at a different pace. It, every yeah, time Burrell made big advances, Dillashaw was able to just kind of duck out of it. And you know what's huge for me? When a fighter doesn't have his hands covering his face and is still able to dodge things, that's demoralizing. And well, he, cut was, his, he cut his angle so well. He ch- he changed his stances, and uh, he was he kept throwing that lead uppercut. was was great. That was a great uh, strategy. It was coming right up through Burrell's defenses. It was beautiful. It was a great strategy by Ludwig, man. Kev, I'm going to put this over to you because this was brought up a lot, and I don't know what you guys thought about it, but I might have an opinion. Uriah Faber, happy or not happy for TJ? Happy. <laughs> happy advocated for him to get the spot um hasn't been able to get over the Burrow hill he's happy uh same question over to you brandon yeah for sure he's happy they're teammates they train together every day that's a that's a bond and a brotherhood that people who don't train can't possibly understand uh so for sure 100 percent, he's happy for him but guys but guys did you see the photo <laughs> of uriah in the cage when everybody's super happy and has their hand around TJ and he's kind of frowning. I, I'm pretty sure that means that's he just the way his face jealous. looks. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's one. You're going TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was so astounded because you could see Uriah jump up in those reaction shots and he was legitimately happy for him. And I love that people thought that maybe once he got into the cage, it sunk in. He was like, yay, yay, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was bittersweet on some level. You know, like it, his victory is, is a reflection on, your, on Uriah's own failures in a way. But at the same time, his um, Dillashaw's victory is a victory for Uriah too because it, it validates everything that they've been doing over there. Good. Not good. just Dillashaw, but all of them. Yeah, uh, no shit. Team Alpha Male. So, Kev, uh, what was the biggest takeaway from you from this fight? Do you think that they set up a rematch immediately? Does that need to happen, or do we need to see something else happen? Yeah, Burrell gets a rematch, period. He's defended the belt too many times. He gets a rematch. Huh. Brandon? Yeah, he gets a rematch, and apparently they're already um, – Burrell's camp is already pushing for it to happen in Brazil. Did you guys see where – Marlon Sandro, who is one of um, Burrell's teammates, um, they came out blasting the UFC and saying that they pushed Burrell into the title fight too fast. They made him fight and all this stuff. So they're, yeah, you guys didn't see that. Oh, I saw it. Yep. Oh, okay. I saw it. (laughs) Some of us pay attention here. Uh, (laughs) But I thought that was an interesting claim uh, to put out because nothing says gracious loser like, see you in Brazil, (laughs) dick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and maybe you'll I, get I, held up at <laughs> you get card oh, jack too. Shit. <laughs> Shh, let's let's make sure that we're not offending our brazilian fans what? here uh kevin and i <laughs> so, may one yeah. day like to go train down there and we're fans of uh brazil brazil we well, maybe only... just cut that part out there <laughs> yeah. brazil where they never i ain't trying to offend anybody either <laughs> yeah no 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 but uh, you know the funny part to me is i looked at that i said 
for Burrell, for somebody who hasn't lost in that like eight, nine year span, of course it's going to be tough. And of course it's going to look weird when he looks slower than somebody for the first time. And you could say it was an off night, but it just looked like he was outclassed. And it looks like some people were even saying he is not guaranteed an immediate rematch, mainly being Dwayne uh, Bang Ludwig. Who's saying they're not really interested in a rematch just to start? They might want to have TJ fight somebody else to begin. Uh, I don't think he earned the immediate rematch. I don't like the immediate rematch anyway, ever. I don't ever like that. I just really? don't think it, it does. Yeah, I, never, I hate it. Okay. Can I ask you what your thoughts are between John Jones and Alexander Gustafsson? Do you think that's an immediate rematch case? Uh, no. Not, okay. not immediate. I'm talking about on this next one. Controversial no, I don't think it's ever an immediate rematch. Like, give somebody else a shot. You all, you've got your chance. It's time for somebody else to move up. It keeps the division interesting too. And I, I don't and disagree with that. Guys. I, yeah. I don't disagree with that normally. But I would say in the cases where you could say that the champ was beaten, arguably, or at least questionably, those are kind of those. I would rather see those rematches immediately. It just always, when they do an immediate rematch, it always reeks to me of the guy the promotion wanted to win didn't win. Let's try again. That's fair. Eh, That's a fair point. I guess you could say that, but to me, it also it says... It feels gross. Nah, I, I, I guess you could say that. For me, it says keeping the sport alive, because the thing that I like about MMA, as opposed to boxing, is I tend to see the fights I want to see quicker. In boxing, it's nothing but a dick tease of like, nah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And then you see it way past the time that you really wanted to see it. Uh, so that's that's the hardest part. Not to say that MMA doesn't do that, but I think that's one thing. So let's let's go ahead and stop there. I think that's a great uh, discussion for Brow and TJ. And congratulations to him. That was re- – like I said this and I, I really you. feel it. It was <laughs> – you have nothing to do with it, Kevin. It was a validation for the $44 I spent on this pay-per-view was watching that performance. Yes. yes. 100%. Predicted it. Just and super inspiring it. too, man. Like Yeah. You. For me it was You're one of the most again. inspiring like MMA moments I've seen in a long time. Brandon, I'm gonna stop right here just because I wanna ask Kevin. Um Kevin, what do you feel you contributed to that? Other than getting fifty percent I believed in him. Correct. Period. You believed in him? Sometimes that's all it takes, Raph. It's just about people believing in you. Great. Now since you believed in him, tell me about believing in Hendo. Oh, fuck. That was hard to watch. <laughs> this isn't even going to be a fun fight to talk about. Like, it was one of those moments where was, I thought Dan Hendo probably should have retired three fights ago. And that reminded me why. It was a different league. It wasn't. It, I Honestly, let me ask you guys this, and I'm going to put this back at you. It felt like Daniel Cormier put his foot on the gas and then took it off the gas just to let him survive a round. Eh, kind of. You disagree. You thought Daniel Cormier fought his hardest. I at any point. No, no. I'll say <laughs> he never this. looked like he got above twenty. Relax, Kev. I'll say, I think the thing that really kept Tendo alive for the most part of that was a little bit less finesse in the jujitsu department. Not to say that DC doesn't know those options, and I felt like he was giving him some like crowd back in like hey man you can get back into this fight a little bit uh just out of respect but for the most part he had twenty thousand options he could have been doing and waited for the third round to get in a rear naked choke 
which was already there plenty of times as well, among other mm-hmm. things. But, I mean, he was really in side control for the most of that fight. Yeah. And plenty of options. There were no less than nine Kimuras that showed up. I hear that you're just underlining my point. I'm basically saying this, Kevin. He did have the option. I don't know that he knew to finesse some of them because I think he actually legitimately lost half of those submissions. I think he was taking it easy. Brandon? Brent. Yeah, I was going to say, Brandon, tie break this. Uh, no, I don't think he was taking it easy. I don't think he was interested in submitting him. I think he submitted him out of boredom. I think he was, <laughs> it looked like he just won. I, yeah, I mean, you know, he waited until the until Hendo had nothing left to offer, and then that made the choke easy. I mean, when was the last time you saw Henderson get put to sleep? Or, well, unconscious, Never. I don't think we've ever seen him. Asleep. We've seen we him tap Silva, to Silva. Silva tapped him with a rear naked, right? Correct, yep. With the body triangle, and but uh, Nagara uh, caught him with an arm bar back in Pride. Maybe is that right? Yes, you are. Yep, your history is very good. I'll say this: I, I like this back in Pride. I'll say this, and this is one of my friends' jokes. This goes out to Tim Gone, and uh, I responded. I said, "You know, hey man, he went out like a G. He never tapped." And Timmy's response was, "He was distracted by those kids on his lawn. Forgot to tap." <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed uncontrollably to that. So Timmy gone, very good joke. Uh, I told him I would take that from him because it wasn't good enough to not use. Uh, what's next for Hendo, Brendan? Do you feel that he's got more fight in him? Do you feel he's done? Well, uh, apparently he's he wants to keep going. So I mean, let him fight. He's a uh, he just there's no way he's going to win that fight. I mean, clearly he's not going to be fighting for the title again. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I don't think he should have been fighting that high up the ranks now. But, you know, if he's comfortable with, uh, you know, a little better than gatekeeper status, let him fight. I mean, he's still a good fighter. He's got an incredible skill set. He's just a little slow now. A little slow now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I like how you say this as if. I like that Kevin says this as if his wrestling is like the most amazing thing since sliced bread himself. Kevin's like, well, uh, I'm saying he was a touch beyond a little slow. He looked, he, you could tell, I mean, if you watch the corner conversations, he finished that first round and they were like, we know you're tired. We know you're tired. It's like, why is that a concession statement? Like, why are the, is that what they have to bolt through? It just, he looked, he looked tired. Kev, well, he was when you get older, Daniel Cormier. People, yeah, people do get tired as they get older. Number one, <laughs> number two. Um, I hear him. Cormier's wrestling is not what I would call basic. I wouldn't call it basic either, but I'm also not fighting in contention at the one like one of the toughest weights. Two hundred five, obviously. I'm not t- fighting at one of the toughest weights in the UFC. I mean, and you never will with that think attitude, it Kevin. Mattered. I don't think it would have mattered who was underneath Cormier right there. Cormier was in, intention was to put Henderson on the ground and to ride him and crack him with his fists. And he, he had perfect positioning throughout the fight. He picked him up like Andre the Giant. He picked him up like Bane, like he was going to no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. There was definitely a Bane moment. But I called it, and we have video of it on the Verbal Tap cast uh, Instagram. Basically... At one point, Cormier stole the F5 or the attitude adjustment from John Cena. 
We have video evidence of it. Please go on and look at that. I, I do have one question to ask you, Brandon. You said that anybody under that pressure, let me put in anybody there. What about John Jones under that pressure? In that situation that mm-hmm. uh, Henderson found himself in on the bottom of side control and the bottom of turtle with Cormier scrambling, not well, I shouldn't say scrambling, but moving around him, changing positions. Yeah. Jones is in bad trouble right there. Do you think that's the way the that question, fight would go? No, nah, not necessarily. Cause uh, it's going to be hard to get in. It's going to be a lot harder to get inside on John Jones than it was on Henderson with Henderson. You know, the strike that's coming, you know, what's coming. It's the right hand. Right, and it's going to be the the only other thing you're really going to see is maybe that little left inside leg kick to set up the right hand. With John Jones, you have no idea, and you got an extra probably six inches or more of reach to deal with to get in there before you can put him on the ground. So that's a different fight. Brandon, did you get the feeling that Daniel Cormier might want to fight John Jones? Mm, I was felt that way to me. I didn't. I know it wasn't explicitly like said. Mm-mm. But it did feel I, that way, yeah. It's a hunch. It's obviously a hunch because <laughs> none of us could say for sure. <laughs> but I feel uh, like Kevin and I like... definitely had a good laugh when on the Fox Sports Quan recap show, uh, Daniel Cormier <laughs> came out and basically Chael was challenging DC to do an impression of him calling out John Jones. And DC kind of obliged and he did it. And at the end of it, Chael Sonnen gave him a B for effort. <laughs> I thought uh, that was one of the, the more funny. Go for it. <laughs> Your hashtag, the Fox Sports One, I laughed out loud every time I saw it. I just thought <laughs> I should let you know. <laughs> I appreciate that. I will tell you this. That we were the first people to hashtag Fox Sports One. It is on Twitter. <laughs> it is – you cannot – not take credit for that if you're us. Like we are the people who fucking put that out there first. So fuck I everybody. I didn't know else. it was a thing. So. Oh, it's us and it's real. It's real. Uh, Kev, I, you mentioned having a little bit of disappointment in Jake Ellenberger. Oh, it wasn't. Pain. It wasn't like Ellenberger lost the fight. It wasn't like he just lost the fight. He got the shit kicked out of him. Lawler was in charge of that fight from start to finish, and that's hard to see. It's just you. You really. I was. I thought Ellenberger was going to be a little bit more of an opponent for him, and it was. It was bad. It was a beating. It was. It was rough to watch. Do you feel that Robbie Lawler would have had a different night had he been fighting Hendricks again, Brandon? Uh, that's uh, Hendricks' fight. The first time I thought Lawler gave him more than he wanted. Um, yeah, Lawler destroyed Ellenberger as predicted. Um, just like point that out. <laughs> and I, for for my money, I think Lawler's the better fighter uh, than Hendricks. So I, I would take him in a rematch with Hendricks, actually. All right. I'd, I'd like to see that fight happen. I'm going to go ahead and uh, skip Takia, and we're going to go to James Krause and Jamie you. Varner because oh. of its uh, factor. Uh, I was actually talking with Brandon online about this. Brandon, tell me what you told me then when you reacted to that freak accident that really brought the end of that first round to a close. I don't remember what I said, but okay. it, it grows like I felt really bad. I wanted to like to to weep for him. I wanted to throw in the towel for him, man. It was terrible. <laughs> he did say he was like, I don't know if people know this, but I tapped out for him at home. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know if that counts, but uh, I, I thought the thing that you said was very complimentary of Jamie Varner, which was, you know, that was a tough thing to do. And he was a man for finishing that round. Dude, yeah, he, he's all man. Look, everybody knew that about Varner coming in. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody was surprised that he pushed through that. Kev, you Other didn't than the fact see... that a man can push through that. Sure, and I mean, that's fucking tough to do. Kev, uh, <laughs> you didn't predict this, but no. You did get it right. Thank you. You're welcome. See, this needs to be thrown out. This doesn't feel like shut the he fuck up, Brandon. It stays. It, it doesn't stays. feel okay. I, to be very good. fair, I do have a check mark next to Kevin's name on that, so I do have to go with it. But Kev, Woo. what was your reaction when you saw that foot go? And and here's the thing. Yes, he did. He Wick Flair wooed for himself. What would you have done <laughs> in that situation? In <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, a little ankle injury isn't going to stop me. I would have just buckled. <laughs> I would have used it like a lasso and whipped it at him. <laughs> that would have been my thing. I don't. I probably would have been on the ground crying. I don't know. I mean, I would have for sure been screaming for a parent and some sort of <laughs> medical aid. I love. Just like, I shoot been- me up. <laughs> I would have been down like Nancy Kerrigan. You remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Why? The joke I put out there to people was I said, you know, I think my number one option would have been, okay, pull guard. Oh, shit. I can't do anything with regard to getting (laughs) punched. Shit. Okay. Get back up. Nope. That's a bad choice. I'm getting punched. What do (laughs) I do? Get back up. Go up against the cage. No, he's kicking me against the cage. This is a terrible choice. Why am I a fair? So uh, that (laughs) That takes care of our main. That would have been my reaction. Why am I here? (laughs) Just bitter weeping and moaning and gnashing and wailing. Uh, I do have to ask dominated Eddie. He's just (laughs) screaming it into the cage. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, on the lower cards, on the preliminary cards, what did you see that really uh, surprised you? I'm going to start with you, Brendan. I'm a little weirded out because with Tony, I was hoping for a submission, but I got a TKO. Tell me about that. Uh, Did I call that Mars attempt, though? Come on. You did. You did. And I was, on, man, when I saw that happening, I jumped out of my seat. I was like, oh, shit, he's called it. Um, Yeah, dude, he, he slid right into it. The part that surprised me was that uh, Kakuno got out. He yeah. survived it. And you see, Tony, like, had it fully locked in, just chose to move on. Like, I thought that was a really, like, uh, a really mature jujitsu decision not to burn himself up. He knew he still had the advantage on the feet, and so he, he let him off the hook and finished him up with the knockout. That was awesome fight of course i had some some ties to it but i was super excited about that one kev and answer this for me i don't know if have you seen tony ferguson's ears no (laughs) okay seen them in their picture and they're robust okay if you look at them though they do look like they're fake props yeah like his cauliflower ear is real and for serious legit yeah, no one's going to question his grappling ability. I, I believe that brown belt will be coming to him sooner than later. Uh, did you have a performance that you wanted to highlight on the uh, preliminary card? Holds it down. Holdsworth, baby. Don't let him on your back. Do not, I'm oh, not, not that Camus probably let him on his back, but you do not want. And I don't think the casual observer understands what it's like to have a high-level black belt hanging on your back for the better part of a round. Like, that is exhausting. Misery. Shit. 
So I I thought I loved his fight. He did exactly what he did in the Ultimate Fighter, which is good. That means he still understands and has a strategy he can impose, which is I'm gonna suck the goddamn life out of you. Yeah, and there it is. You know, it's... Kev, I was I was really surprised, and I don't know if you were. Um, were you surprised right. when he shouted us out? I was surprised when he started screaming for verbal tap and yeah. giving us the credit. I thought that was that was so nice of him. And if sweet. you guys haven't seen it yet, <laughs> it's obviously uh, sweet. Instagram uh, verbal tap cast. It was really cool. We just want to say to our pal Chris Holdsworth, that was really nice of you to shout us Thanks, out. We man. really appreciated it. That was really cool. Thanks, of you. Man. Yeah. Uh, let's say, uh, and this was a really nice thing I did want to bring up: Mitch Clark's Dars. Oh, that was raise your awesome. hand if you were impressed. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. And he was getting destroyed leading up to that. Mm-hmm. Destroyed. It, oh my god, he slid, He had it trapped up against the cage, so he couldn't walk his hips out. Uh, was it Iakinta? That's who he fought. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Iakinta was trapped up against the cage, so he couldn't walk his hips away to escape the pressure. He got a nice long nap out of it. That was awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you got a nice like that. People from the South talk better shit. Like just they describing do. things, it sounds better. It is polite still, but it's way more offensive. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> well, we got a nice. To be oh no, because you're so Southern and charming. We know. <laughs> That's uh, right. I'm a gentleman. So you know. <laughs> Kev, I got to ask you: Have you seen wrestling like uh, Vince Michelle's in a while? No. Uh, and you know what I thought was funny is that I was like, I'm not impressed by Vince Michelle. I'm not. Oh yeah, <laughs> you definitely said, said that on air. <laughs> dominated the shit out of the fight. Big ground and pound. I hadn't seen his ground and pound before, really like that at least. Did uh, you count how many suplexes there were in the match, Brandon? No, I, oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, I did not count. I know it was upwards of eleven. Lazy. <laughs> it was actually, I believe, ten. So, uh, it was because the thing is, I don't know if he was trying to get an extra subway sandwich, and on the tenth one he gets a free one, or I don't know. But on the tenth suplex, I just said, <laughs> "Oh God, <laughs> oof, that's uh, that's enough suplexes for me. I can't even do Why? one." Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't think I understand the correlation on the joke between suplexes and subway. It's okay. It'll <laughs> take three tell. years to get to Alabama. That's the way most jokes work. But it's actually, um, I think it's a callback to when they had that stamp system. Mm-hmm. So this is actually... That's what I get. I'm just curious why Subway. I don't know. Well, Subway is a proud sponsor of this podcast. Eat there fresh. You there you go. Uh, any other fights worth mentioning on the card? Because I didn't see Cecilia versus my man Phillips. Oh fuck, that's what I did. I picked Phillips. And why did you idiot. pick him, Kev? Because we have the same. I think last I remember. Name he, he looks Ed. like a model. Shut up. <laughs> and you think that you look like a model too? Uh, I would like to point we out. You look one like thing. models. You don't look like a model in the least. Uh, Kev, did you know that one of you picked the fight of the night? Who was that? Not you. Brandon well, Dillashaw. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. Dillashaw Burrell. Yeah. Uh So here's the thing. For those of you guys who didn't know the stakes of the fight, um, the winner is going to have a song made about them 
uh, as composed and written by the loser. So, Kev, do you have any potential uh, song lyrics that you have in mind? Because I was you really should have been I wasn't it. gonna. I really thought I was gonna win this. I genuinely well, did. Even like to the point where we started this podcast, I forgot about the Cecilia pick. Uh, Brandon, do you have any like? I've been thinking about some plays on Tenth Planet. I think it's gonna go probably more of a hip hop vibe. Brandon, okay. do you have any specific oh, no. directions where you'd like the song? Like, like you want me to play executive producer on this? I mean, it's a glorification of you. So if you have notes, great. Uh, I know for sure it's going to have to have the word sexy in it. Uh, oh, noted. <laughs> writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, there probably needs to be something about utter domination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Heine would probably need to be in there. Wow. Well, okay. Uh, just thinking. I'm just thinking. Rhymes with tiny, so we can do that. <laughs> tiny, like your win percentage. Oh! <laughs> that was right off the top of his head. He's just a musical genius. Stop Kev, writing it. Um, when you are writing this, though, uh, it is going to be interesting to watch your process. We're probably going to have a behind the scenes video making of it, too. Uh, so Making that'll be great. Band. Yeah. Making the stuck. <laughs> well, don't worry. When, when we get all of the auto tune that we need to correct Kevin's voice, I think it's going to be well documented. I would like to bring up uh, one really important point, which was even though Kevin did accurately predict 50%, which was six out of 12, I did say on the podcast that he would lose one. Wow. Because of unsportsmanlike conduct, so you actually are now. below fifty percent on oh, your guessing average. So that's a good point, point. and that's not a good you probably point. ought to. We ought to think about that Varner pick too. That one should be tossed out. You shouldn't get that. One. Oh, oh, why not? Not how it works, my okay. friend. Especially since I predicted the greatest Four upset in UFC history, which then brings Kevin down to a correct percentage of thirty-three point three percent, which was See, about what he ran last time. Yeah, that's about par for the course. All right, well, it's good. Uh, you know, Brandon, I want to say this. You're always fun to have on the show. We're glad that you had the time to basically go through all of the fights with us. We had a blast talking about them with you. I know Kevin, despite losing, really enjoyed competing against you. Is that not right, Kevin? Fuck yourself and fuck everything about this goddamn game. No, yeah, it was great. Thanks. Really enjoyed. Congrats on your win. Yay! Woo! Yeah. Shake hands. Hop off. Brandon McCaggerin. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> that's going to be. I don't the... have anything to say. I just. Okay. No, that's perfect. Just end it like that. <laughs> That'll be the big takeaway. Hey, 10th Planet and Decatur. So if you're one of seven people traveling through Decatur this week, stop in and see Brandon's gym. You be nice to him, you dick. Going on. Come on through. <laughs> Try. Sell the Meow Mix plant. You'll love it. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Brandon. What's your Twitter handle? Say it, your Twitter handle. Brandon underscore MC. Yeah. And then I'm on SoundCloud also. So let me get some of my music. Uh, no, SoundCloud.com slash Brandon underscore yeah, MC. Can... See the consistency? Mm, yeah, you can hear that uh, I Dominated Eddie that we played last week on the podcast that he has, I mean, climbing the charts. You're like that thing you do for jujitsu. <laughs> That's right. We Ladies and gentlemen, the wonders, the O'Neaters. 
The, <laughs> the Brandon McCatherines. That's what we call it. <laughs> Raph Esparza, you outdid yourself tonight with your one-minute review. That Thank was you. 24 minutes and 38 seconds. That was not how long that was. I think now you're lying. But it was so great to have Josh Clark on to review it with us. I like hearing their interpretation and their just gasp at your rather succinct reviews are always one of my highlights of the podcast. <laughs> um, part of our whole Dixieland series, we had <laughs> Josh on and then we had Brandon McCatherine. Um, I, uh, I'm nervous about this song business. I was really hoping he was going to have to do the singing. Honestly, Kev, I've never wanted you to win more and you let me down. You let me down so bad. And Uh, I, I, I did this podcast with you last week. I got off of doing this on the microphone. I walked over to somebody and I said, he better fucking win. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you didn't and i felt Nailed like a it. fool yeah we all did yeah. and it's time for the shout outs that's it for us let's shout it out um i'll start andrew correa's birthday yeah along with his return from brazil marked a really fun seminar uh followed by cake which is the best way to end any <laughs> seminar you can add cake to any seminar and it's a huge success (laughs) it's the best no it was a lot of fun uh some really cool half guard sweep techniques and just some different things we've been working and uh he basically went to brazil and was like i'll just bring back everything i see that we don't do or do do and it's just been too long whatever it was awesome andrew happy birthday from verbal tap all of us here the family, and that takes us to a lovely reminder to use BJJFinder.com, the world's premier jiu-jitsu site locator. Plug in your zip code, plug in your location. It'll take you to gyms near you. You can review them. It is Yelp for jiu-jitsu schools, people. It's huge. Use it. BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly, VA, where we're rolling like crazies. And Raf, that's going to do it for me here uh speaking of uh shout outs for uh bj finder we had somebody who didn't really know uh they live his name is colory lad uh d story he's over in the uk and while we were tweeting he's like oh i don't have any gyms near me i was like where do you live he was like live out in the uk i was like here you go oh and by the way here's bjj finder go here He's like, oh, shit, I didn't know there were all these places to go train. I was like, not an excuse. Go train. I don't like hearing <laughs> that. You're welcome. Because he's Raph Esparza, your company's jiu-jitsu locator oh, guy. no. That's not how you're going to sing, is it? No. No. I'm just That's a terrible jingle. Uh, I want to give my first shout-out to Valley Martial Arts Center. V. M. A. C. Wow. A little cloud wow. number with yeah, this okay. one this week. Little uh, I want to give a shout out to my pal Hassan. Hassan is uh, a really cool practitioner over with us. He's always asking really cool questions. And uh, it was really funny. I guess the other day was he was rolling and he just left a camera there to record his roll. 
And uh, he was going with one of our, our high-level jiu-jitsu and judo practitioners. And when you do that, you start one place and you end up about 19 other places. Mm-hmm. So cut to me grabbing the camera and being like, hey, okay, let's follow you. You're over here now. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a fun way where it was very nice to do that. So I would encourage everybody, if you ever want, I guess, filmed BJJ and you want to bring a camera, just hand it to me. I'll take care of it. But I love the fact that he does stuff like that because it always makes things really, really cool. So uh, my thanks to Hassan for always helping out and being super cool about his help with jujitsu. And you know what, Kev? Thanks to you. And guess what? On this Memorial Day, I think it would make a lot of sense to say thanks to who? Uh, Tim Kennedy. Yeah. And the whole host of veteran fighters. Yep. And just veterans in general, I feel like. Good blanket statement. I got I choked think... out by a Marine. Oh, good for you. Him. Yeah, that was really <laughs> nice. Oh. But uh, we do support the troops and we want to say thank you guys, many of whom are fighters, but those who aren't fighters as well. Uh, just thank you guys so much for all of your commitment to the country. We love it. We respect it. And we love that you guys are huge fans of the sport. We hope you guys continue if you are in the sport to basically dominate people because yeah. it's always fun to support you guys when you're doing well. So yeah, our, our thanks to all of you guys. They love to fight. They just can't they get do. enough of it. Yep. It's amazing. Just don't fight me and Kevin or fight. Kevin. Please don't please. <laughs> That's going to do it for us tonight here at verbal tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. We'll